Welcome to Out of the Shallows with Rachel Strange. Here we have honest, thoughtful conversations about Jesus, his people, and his way. We don't have to look away from the hard or weird stuff. We can step out of the shallows. Hey, long time no see out of the shallows listeners. Um, here I am again, dropping an episode randomly, and just to be honest with you, moving forward in the future, episodes for a while are probably just going to drop randomly as I adjust to living here in the suburbs of Kansas City and doing all the things that I'm doing here, which are all good. Yeah, that's what's going on. But for today's episode, there's something that I'm going to say that I'm wrestling out. I sometimes with you guys like to talk out loud, think through some things, but for today, I reserve the right to change my mind about anything that I'm going to say, right? I I reserve the right to learn and to grow, but I've been thinking about the question, does God destroy? I heard someone say recently, I can't remember who, so I won't do my usual giving credit thing, that God doesn't destroy, sin does. Meaning in the world, when we see destruction, sometimes we call that an act of God. We, we see bad things happen and we point to God. But this person was saying, God doesn't actually author destruction. Sin does. And this idea is taken from Romans 6, 23. It says, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. See, sin pays in destruction and heartache, eventually death, metaphorically, literally, spiritually, emotionally, holistically, sin leads to death. If sin is writing a book, the title is Death. And God is a different kind of author altogether. There's this idea kind of out in the world, in the ether. Sometimes it comes from Christians. Sometimes it comes from people who um, don't believe in God at all. Where they say that the God of the Bible, especially the Old Testament, is destructive. He's angry. He's vindictively looking for someone to throw into a raging sea or rain fire down on. Like, that's who God is. He's just always looking out for somebody or something to destroy. And this is an idea that's been covered in books by people who are way smarter than me. And some of them are going to agree and some of them are going to disagree with what I say here. I am going to put a show note link to a book that I think you should actually read, even though I haven't read it yet. I just trust the author so much in their ability, his ability to help you walk through these thoughts. But all those caveats, all those initial thoughts and musings out of the way. What should we think about this idea that God isn't the author of destruction, but sin is? So Romans is the book that I took that scripture from, and I've said this before in this podcast, but it's straight up a theological masterpiece. It's dense, it's easy to get lost in, but it's beautiful in the way it like lays out what it means being a follower of Jesus and how followers of Jesus should actually live in the world. That's what Romans does. So you know what I'm going to do. I'm going to do what I always tell you to do. I'm going to tell you to go watch a Bible Project video on Romans if you want to get a good idea of what the whole thing is about. I'm going to even tell you to do something even better, and that's to read Romans. Um, you know, you're probably in your, you know, 70th rewatch of The Office. And if you were to sit down and, watch, you know, read Romans or listen to Romans, it would probably take about the time that it would have taken you to watch that one favorite episode of yours again. So just read Romans instead. But 
after you've done that, go read the Bible, woe by yourself, watch the videos, and then come back. And we're going to read Romans 6, 20 to 23. This is what it says. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the obligation to do right. And what was the result? You are now ashamed of the things that you used to do, things that end in eternal doom. But now you are free from the power of sin and have become slaves of God. Now you do things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. I realize maybe as we talk through this, it would help some of you if I define what sin is. So I'm going to put another Bible Project video in the show notes, but at its most basic definition, sin is missing the mark. It's failing to hit the target, to to stay on the road. In the New Testament, like in the passage that I just read, a lot of times it's like this force that captures us, entangles us, it, it chains us up. So if sin is missing the mark, what mark are we missing exactly? It's the mark of loving God and loving people. And these aren't separate ideas. I think like sometimes in our minds we go, over there's loving God, over there's loving people, but that's not how it works for God. These are connected, intertwined things because in Genesis, God creates us in his image. And the God of the Bible tells us not to make idols or images of, of him. And the reason he says that is because he already made images of him. And it's me and it's you. God told his people, don't create these images. Don't bow down to these statues because we are the things that look like God. We are the representations of God out in the world. And yet, often we aren't who God designed us to be. We aren't out there in the world creating and bringing goodness and life and hope. And even when we try to, we mess up. And therein lies the destruction. It's in our inability to reflect God, image God, to love him and to love people. It's that failure that kills us. And I think logically this plays out in our lives. Like if we really think about it, if we take this moment right now and we self-reflect, we realize that our self-deception, our selfishness, we realize there are these ways that we take advantage of others, that these these dark parts of us. If we're honest, all of us know that sometimes we're the bad guy. And I might not, you might not like that. But sometimes all of us play that role. There's that part of us that rises up in anger or hurt and makes us say things we regret. It's us missing the mark hurting ourselves, hurting others, hurting God. It's that. That sin is what destroys us. Not just our sin. Sometimes we experience destruction as the result of sin in others' lives. Like when we see violence, abuse. Right now, as I'm recording this, there's war happening in the world. And that sin hurts people. And if you're listening, there might be violence or abuse or the sin that other people created that hurts you. It's destroyed something you. 
Sometimes we experience the destruction of sin simply through the destruction that entered the world as a result of sin. Earthquakes, hurricanes, that kind of thing, those are the results of the brokenness of the world. Those are forces of sin. Destruction isn't actually an act that's at the center of who God is. The act of creation is much more central to who God is. The first few chapters of the Bible, we see how we're supposed to think of God. And in those first couple of chapters in Genesis, very beginning of the Bible, we see God take chaos, which is what the waters and the spirit are. It says this whole thing at the beginning of Genesis. And I could really go deep here, but that's another podcast. But basically, he takes these chaotic waters at the beginning and he brings beauty and creation and wonder to the world. He takes an unmade, chaotic mess and he creates something beautiful trees and plants and birds and land and ocean and order and you and me and it's good and it's beautiful and that is the creation story in a nutshell which again I think you should go read and it's the first story in the bible because God wants us to know that in spite of all the destruction that we see in the world and in spite of all the destruction that the original readers of the story in Genesis see in the world God always had something else in mind that was never his plan sin sin's deal is destruction the enemy's deal is destruction which is what we also see in Genesis the moment that God's creation stops imaging him stops trusting him the moment that trust is broken between God and the people he's made that's when everything becomes a broken mess God doesn't start with destruction he starts with taking what is messy and making it beautiful. And you might be thinking, well, Rachel, there's a ton of stories in the Bible about God raining down destruction on people in the Old and the New Testament. And there actually are some stories that are like that kind of. A ton, in my opinion, is not an accurate picture of the story of the Old Testament. And I'm going to link you to a Bible Project video that summarizes the Old Testament. But here's another truth. Sin hurts people. And there are times that God in his justice must stop sin, stop the sin that's causing pain, stop whatever's hurting people, especially in mass ways. And when he does that, when he stops the sin, sometimes it might be in ways that feel wacky to us, especially like in our modern context. See, there's two things that we often get mad at God about, and they're actually linked in incredible ways, in the end, to his goodness. See, we often look at the world and we want God to put an end to evil. We see viruses and dictators and racism and injustice and genocide every time we turn on about any screen we have access to. And we think, if God is good, what's the deal with that? Why does he allow that? Why are child soldiers hurting and killing themselves and others? Why is human trafficking a thing or racism or poverty or anything else that you might name? Why is it all out there? And then, In the Bible, when God deals with that stuff, we kind of get mad at him. Like when he destroys a civilization that's sacrificing children, we don't like it. When when God gets when it seems like God is violent, it's always because there's a cry of pain or injustice that has risen up. It happens in Sodom and Gomorrah and Egypt and Nineveh. Every time that we see something like that, there are people being harmed and God is trying to stop that harm. See, there's in each of those situations, a sin, 
a lie, a tragedy, an injustice that must be dealt with. And oftentimes the same kind of thing that makes us say, if God, if you're so good, why is this happening? And then we see God deal with it in the Bible and it bothers us. See, God is not slow as we think he is in dealing with these injustices. He's going to deal with them. The injustices that have happened to you and me, God sees, he cares about, and he has thoughts about them. But he is also playing a long game. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. A plan is in his mind to save as many people as possible. And sometimes this can frustrate us when maybe there's some harms that have happened and we think, those people, really? But there's a long game there. And there is mercy in his waiting to deal with all of the mess that we see in the world. But make no mistake, that mess that we see in the world will be dealt with one way or another. For example, in the story of Exodus, we've got Pharaoh versus God and Moses. And to recap what happens here, we have the Jewish people led by Moses. They've grown in number while living in Egypt, and this freaks a Pharaoh out. So he decides he's going to murder all the male babies born to stop these people from multiplying any more because he wants to keep them enslaved. So he has um, all the babies, all the male babies thrown into the Nile. But one baby escapes, and that baby is Moses. Moses ends up growing up in the palace with Pharaoh, and he wants to free the people. And he tries to do it in his own strength, and that doesn't work. So he runs away, and God calls him to be the one who leads them out. And so he goes to Pharaoh, and he says, let my people go. And Pharaoh is like, yeah, right. He hardens his own heart against this idea, and all these plagues happen, and he keeps saying no. So God gives Pharaoh what he wants, what he's always wanted, which is a hard heart. And then finally, there's these deaths of the firstborns. And so then finally, Pharaoh says, yes, Moses, you and the Hebrews, they can go. But then after they leave, he changes his mind again, and he tries to bring the Jewish people back. And this is where we get this iconic story of the Red Sea. If you've watched, you know, the Charleston Heston Moses, you like can picture it in your mind. And Pharaoh and his men end up in the waters. They're in the water, just like those boys thrown into the Nile. And that might freak you out a little bit. Couldn't God just like freeze them still or something and make them stop chasing the Israelites? Like the whole thing, it makes us uncomfortable. I recently, though, read a book called Reading While Black that puts some of this in perspective. And this book is about a lot of things. But one of the things that it talks about is the way that Exodus was a precious book for slaves who were Christians in America because it gave them hope. Because it showed them God didn't just care about what they were going through enough to stand far away. He cared enough about what they were going through to create some justice. And sometimes we need justice to have hope. But the justice that God brings still comes as a result of sin because the truth is God has to act at some point because he's good, because he has promises to keep and he will keep them like he did for the Hebrew people. But God isn't what's destroying us. We could argue that he might have sped up the process in some of these instances that we see in scripture, but the destruction every time was already in progress. And at the root of that destruction was still sin. 
See, even in all of these instances where God acts in some way that feels so crazy to us, the root is never just God flying off on a whim. The root is always destruction that has started already in sin. And it's easy to point out there at other people's sin, but I think if we are honest, we can feel the way sin pulls us tangling our hearts up with jealousy over what others have, causing us to want to have more, buy more, be more, spinning its webs of fear in our heart, causing us to live in constant suspicion of everyone around us. Maybe some of us have sin that has been done to us that cause us to do that, wounds that cause us not to trust, wounds that put walls up between us and others, wounds that cause us to behave in strange ways, and then it weaves this deadly thing in our heart so we don't trust God and we don't trust people anymore, and we do things that we don't want to do, and it's all sin's webs all over us. Sin doesn't just have its claws in us, like us as people, but in our systems. It's in our corporations, our governments, our laws, or whatever. All of those things not being all bad, they also seem to have the taint of sin in them. It's like we can't escape that poison. And you might be thinking as I say all of this, Rachel, where is the hope? I know we're stepping out of the shallows, but I would like to not drown. And I... Get that, and I will take you back to Romans 6.20. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from your obligation to do what is right. And what was the result? You are now ashamed of the things that you used to do, things that end in eternal doom. But now you are free from the power of sin and become slaves of God. Now you do things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. You see, yes, those chains are there. We see them in the world and sometimes we see them in our lives. But the truth is we are free, free from sin when we submit our lives to Jesus, when he is our Lord, when we are a slave to God. Harsh language to us, but we already are a slave to something, either a slave to sin or a slave to God. We're going to serve something either way. And real freedom is found in no longer weaving webs of sin in our heart and demanding our own way, our own rights, our own choice, but instead saying, I surrender all of that to you, Jesus. And then through a process we will find that we long to do things that lead to holiness and that we are walking in eternal life. It oftentimes starts in steps. We start this, we stop that, but it's not through our own power, but through our trust and surrender to him. Will we mess up? Yeah, we will. These tangles and habits do not easily unknot, but I am free from the power of sin, from the destructive power of sin, and that is the hope. We are free in Jesus, the victor on the cross who conquered sin and death and the grave, and I am free from that force because the power of Jesus lives inside of me. The gift of God is eternal life, and eternal life of freedom starts now with me trusting him, with you trusting him, and surrendering to him. 
because he isn't the God of destruction, but of creation, and he longs to create something wonderful in and through us. And that's something wonderful. We can start right now. Pray. Father, help us to see that freedom comes from you. We ask you to show us the ways that sin has been leading to our destruction and heal us from that. We submit our hearts, our paths, our ways to you, and we ask that you untangle our heart from any messes that sin has made. Where there are chains, we thank you that you help us to let them go. Free us, every one of us that is listening to this. Open our hearts to your life. Create something new and beautiful in us. Through the power of your scripture and your spirit and your life and your resurrection and the blood of your son, Jesus. We thank you for what you are creating in us. And we thank you that we are free to follow you. No longer bound by shame and the destructive force of sin. Free to love others the way you have called us to. Free to be your image out in the world. Pointing others to your light and truth and love. Help us to do that. Help us to not miss that mark. It's through your power, through your son, Jesus. Thank you for listening out of the shallows, listeners. You know, here's the thing. I've missed you. And here's what's also true, just like I said at the beginning of this episode it's going to get a little random. I will post when I can, when when there's inspiration that strikes, when my schedule allows, because here is a truth about some things that are happening in my world. And they're beautiful things. First, I am starting a graduate school program in June, and I could not be more pumped about it. Also, my family is currently in escrow for a house. So as long as all of that goes as it should. I will be moving soon, you know, not to a different city like I did before, but to a house that is my own and not a space that I rent. So continue to watch the space. And consequently, my call to action for you after this episode is that you subscribe. Because here's the deal. With the randomness that will be when these episodes drop, the best way for you to be the first person to listen, to get this content right hot off the press is for you to subscribe because it will hit when it hits. You can, of course, follow me on social media at Out of the Shallows Pod on Instagram and Facebook, and I will post about these episodes there, but I will also post any random thing that I want to post that strikes my fancy. So if you have gotten to this far in the episode, you are someone who for some reason likes to hear what I have to say. And that is wild. It's an honor. It seems crazy to me, but that's why you're here. So if that's something you're interested in, make sure you're following me there as well. And also, much to my surprise, I have been experimenting a little bit with posting on TikTok. I've got some video drafts that are sitting there. So we'll see what happens. I'm just going to be honest with you. It's an experiment. So if that is something that you might be curious about in the future, you can find me on TikTok as well, and I will post a link in the show notes. All right. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for hanging out. I want you to know wherever you are, whoever you are, I'm praying for you. God is for you. Together, we are stepping out of the shallows, and I cannot wait to talk to you again.